All right, guys. Now, I just wanted to talk about the 76ers. Uh, before yesterday's victory against the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, they were on a four-game losing streak after blowing out the Milwaukee Bucks on Christmas Day, guys. Oh, my goodness. Did they ever they, they play such a good game. They defended Giannis so well, and they were shooting three-pointers like nothing. Holy, I guess... I guess all those three points shots that went in uh, wore them. They used up all their three point shots for that one game, and then look what it's caused. It's caused them. It's caused them to lose four in a row. Uh, during this uh, four game losing streak, they're shooting forty three point five percent from the field, which is good enough for twenty fifth in the league, guys. And. Another thing that's been hurting them a lot is their three-point shooting. Now, this is really bad, guys. Uh, they are shooting 27.8% from three. Good enough for 29th in the league in that time. That is terrible. Uh, if there's one thing that really annoyed me about them lately, it's been the fact that they haven't been able to defend well, especially during this uh, four-game losing streak. It just They're just... There's no effort. I don't know what it is about them in that four-game losing streak. They just were not putting any effort into it. Their defense was 17th best in the league during that four-game skid. It was that bad. They were not able to defend at all. One of the main reasons I feel... Like, and again, we keep going back to this, is that Embiid just doesn't show up for games consistently. Like, sometimes he'll show up, sometimes he won't. Uh, you get a different Embiid every single day. So that is one of the big problems. And you especially saw that on Friday night against the Rockets. Uh, the Sixers were in Houston on, on Friday night. And if you noticed, I mean... I guess Embiid is still out of shape because Clint Capella was running down the court and just getting easy buckets all the time. He once, once the Philadelphia, uh, or no, not Philadelphia, but once the Houston Rockets went to just Westbrook, Capella, and a bunch and their bench players. Um, basically, when this happens, Westbrook tends to be pushing the ball a lot. Like he pushes crazy. He pushes the ball like crazy it's it's a totally different game when it's him and the bench and in this case they had capella with them and then they had the bench they were pushing the ball down the court and capella was beating him down every single time for easy buckets now mind you guys Joel Embiid said after chris after that christmas day game that he wanted to be the defensive player of the year. With efforts like that, there is no way in hell you're going to be winning a defensive player of the year. I'm sorry. You can't be letting guys beat you down the court that easily. Look, I know he might, it might be a little bit unfair for me to be criticizing him for not being. Uh, consistent because when he shows up he really shows up but sometimes when he's just not there when he doesn't show up to these games it's he's not it's just really bad and that game against the Rockets on Friday like he was not 
able to stop Capella whatsoever. And on top of that, Harden was just killing them. Harden was getting his shot, and on top of that, was getting shots for others. I think uh, he ended up getting a uh, triple double that night. And his main, the main guy he assisted was none other than Clint Capella. Like Embiid was not able to help out uh, stopping Harden. And every time Harden would just get into the key, lob Capella, boom, dunk, or or, or lay in, whatever. He was able to do whatever he wanted. Um, from that game, that one player that did play very well was Ben Simmons. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. He, he's not. Uh, he's still not taking outside shots, right? He's still going to the hoop. Uh, one of the main problems of this team is that they have no shooting around, right? And basically, their two best players are all key players. <clears throat> so big problem uh they still haven't been able to fix that but regardless on friday night simmons balled out uh he defended harden well on top of that now everyone might be saying well harden did score 44 points yes i know he scored 44 points but uh simmons wasn't <coughs> excuse me simmons wasn't on him the whole time right they were trying to show him different looks um but Houston was always trying to uh, have a switch um, so that Harden wouldn't have to face Simmons and it'd be someone else. Uh, that worked to perfection. I mean, I mean, look, he ended up with 44 points. The one thing that really is missing from this team, uh, I might say, is Matisse Dybal. I mean, I remember seeing this guy before he got injured. He was shooting. He was defending. Oh, my goodness. He was such a nice player to watch. But that is he is really needed on this team, especially uh, on 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 the defensive end, but also on the offensive end, and especially with the fact that they have one of the worst benches in the league. Their their scoring is ranked twenty six in the league. Um, if you didn't know this, there's, here's a neat little stat: the Sixers are one of two teams, the other being the Milwaukee Bucks, in which five players are averaging double figures. Uh, Milwaukee's a little bit more well-balanced because their bench is still is still good. But the Sixers don't have that luxury. They're It seems like they're super top-heavy. And they're going to need some help from that bench. And hopefully, once Matisse Thibault comes back, he's still making shots. And you know what, guys? I'm going to end with this for the Sixers is, is that as much as as much as the Sixers are playing super bad uh there's still only four games behind second place Celtics uh, look if we were to talk playoffs right now this team is well suited to beat those top two teams the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics they're well suited to beat both teams they have the personnel they have the personnel to defend Giannis. And then they have the personnel to bully the Boston Celtics. Because you know the Boston Celtics don't have a good center that will defend uh, for them. They, they'll they get pummeled easily. Uh, so if you were to ask me right now, who is your pick to come out of the East? I'm sorry. I'm still going to pick the 76ers to show up 
in to show up in playoffs and show that they are the best team in the East and make it to the NBA Finals of 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Water Boys Podcast. How is everyone doing? Hope everyone had a good New Year's Eve and started off the year right. It's the first episode of the year. I'm recording on Tuesday, January 7th. It is currently 8.40 p.m. This episode is super late, guys. Uh, As usual, we usually have an episode come out on Sundays, and then we uh, let everyone hear it out. But this weekend, Nick was feeling under the weather, and then I was recording bits and pieces of it on Saturday. But on Saturday, I had tickets to the Canucks game, which they won. They won 2-1, continue their seven-game winning streak. Uh, But unfortunately, since they won, I was maybe a little bit too excited and screaming while the game was on. Uh, Voice was super raspy on Saturday night. And there was just no way you I wanted to record. Uh, you guys would have gone really annoyed with my voice <laughs> if I were if I were to record that day. But uh, I waited for Sunday for it to get better. It was still raspy, still wasn't worth it. So I was like, I'll wait till Monday night. Uh, Monday night came. We had people over. It was just not going to happen either. There was no quiet place to go and record. But uh, it's Tuesday night by myself. I was like, hey, might as well record something. It's better than nothing. Uh, just got done watching a, a few of the League Pass games. Uh, in case you didn't know, there were the Portland Trailblazers played the Toronto Raptors. Carmelo Anthony hits the game-winning shot, his first since his days with the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's been a while. It's been a while. Good for him. Uh, he's shown that he can still play in the league. I'm glad he was able to hit that game-winning shot. The game I watched the most so far tonight was the Brooklyn Nets against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, I'm just going to have to say this. Chris Paul is just playing so well. Wow. Uh, everyone thought this man was just not going to be the same anymore that he was on the decline big time but guess what this man can still ball holy he was so clutch tonight 20 points scored in the fourth and overtime combined so wow he was just hitting shots uh over allen on that pick and roll he was amazing um He's showing that he can still ball, and I'm so happy for him. Uh, and someone else that really impressed me in that game was Shea Gilgis Alexander. He, well, it won't show up on the score sheet. It won't show up as a rebound. Won't show up as a steal. But his defense on Spencer Dinwiddie, especially on that, sh- on uh, in the fourth quarter when they were trying to win the game. He played Spencer Dinwiddie so well. It was just so nice to see that this guy is not only taking the offensive side of the game very serious, but also the defensive side. Uh, he's He did a really good job, and I'm 
I can't wait to see what this guy's going to become in the future. Uh, but enough of uh, the poor summarizing of tonight's games. Uh, let me let me give you a list of what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, I had the Philadelphia 76ers on their poor play. I know they beat Oklahoma last night, but uh, I still want, there's still some notable things that are wrong with them that I wanted to get into it with you guys. Also want to talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, unfortunately, they lost last night, but it seems like they're on the up uh, as they had a good stretch. And this January schedule for them seems really favorable. Uh, I'll get into that with you guys later on. And then I also wanted to talk about uh, all this Kevin Love uh unhappiness that is going on with them right now. Uh, I don't know if you've guys seen it, but there was a few videos of him uh, punching chairs and stuff like that. Uh, I'll get into that with you later on. And uh, But before all of that, actually, I uh, wanted to start off with, I'm not going to get too much into it, but with uh, the unfortunate passing of David Stern. Um, I'm sure everyone knew about this. Uh th- the whole league was mourning his loss. If you really want to listen to uh, stories about the about the guy and his encounters with reporters and stuff, I suggest you go to the Who Collective. They have uh, Jackie McMullen, and she had a few stories to share about David Stern. Um, on my side, I'll just talk about some of the more meaningful things that he's done and also... Uh, some of the things that I remember the most about uh, his time as NBA commissioner. Uh, let me start off with uh, the veto trade, uh, or not the veto trade, but the trade he vetoed of Chris Paul from the New Orleans Hornets. That's right, New Orleans Hornets back then to the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, that was just heartbreaking for me especially since uh, it didn't look too well. It didn't look like the Lakers were going to compete for anything, really. And then they had the chance to bring in Chris Paul. And I'm like, wow, a backcourt with Kobe and Chris Paul. Wow, that that sounds like a dream. And it was a dream because it never came true. It was just a dream. And unfortunately, Chris Paul ends up, but he does end up getting traded. I can't remember exactly when he gets traded, uh, but he ends up going to the Clippers, unfortunately. And uh, well, talk about a punch in the in the stomach. Uh, he was supposed to go to the Lakers. Trade gets vetoed, and then he goes to the Clippers. And you ask, how does David Stern veto that trade? Well, if you didn't know, the New Orleans Hornets owners had sold the team back to the NBA because they weren't a, they were, um, I can't remember exactly what the problem was, but they ended up trading or not trading, but selling the team back to the NBA. And then, uh, David Stern was the acting owner. And as the acting owner, he was able to do whatever he wanted. And as soon as he saw that the Lakers were about to get, or made a deal with uh, with the New Orleans Hornets uh, GM. He's like, no, this is not happening. Not on my watch. Vito's a trade. 
and then Chris Paul ends up going to the Clippers. Uh, not such a great, um, not such a great memory for me, uh, as you would understand. But I mean, what can you do? Uh, it was one of the more controversial things that have happened. I'm pretty sure half the league was happy that it didn't happen, uh, especially since everyone hates the Lakers. Uh, something else that I remember about him. Well, uh, if there is one thing that is a lasting impact of his time as commissioner, it has been that he has been able to grow the sport globally. Like it's not just American anymore. It is just all over the place. And to start that, he, he basically used that 92 Olympic dream team as the catalyst towards international flavor in the NBA. Um, if you were to talk to any of the international players that came before this generation, so for example, the I don't know the you got like the Stoyakovichs, the Gasol, um, Nowitzki, like all these guys come from primary soccer playing countries. But if you were to ask all of them, they they would tell you about that 92 dream team and how that inspired them to become basketball players and not soccer players, which is a big thing. I mean, think about it without those international players. I mean, look at the league now. Can you imagine a league without this, without the international flavors that we have right now? I mean, think about it. We got guys like Jokic and Bead. Um, you got Luka Doncic, Yanis Antetokounmpo. I mean, we are getting to a point in the league, guys, where the best player in the league might not be American for the first time in NBA history. I mean, Yanis is pushing for that. And everyone's probably going to say Luka Doncic will push for that pretty soon, too. So his impact on advertising the league outside of the United States will be forever felt. It's still being felt till this day. And if you think about it, with these players that are coming, that are playing right now and dominating, I'm pretty sure that that there's going to be more international players to come out of wherever Europe, Africa, wherever and they will come to the league and they will dominate. Um some of the least uh some of the things that kind of bothered me unfortunately was the whole Seattle thing. Uh I know it might not all be as all be as fault, but the owners, you know, Clay Bennett, I guess, ends up taking the team back to Oklahoma. He said that his goal was to keep the team in Seattle, but nobody really believed that. And it just, he ends up moving the Sonics, unfortunately. Uh, I was, I remember going to that last game at, at the Kia Arena. Uh, I think they played the Denver Nuggets, if I'm not mistaken. This is, this was a while back. So I remember going to that game. I remember chanting, save our Sonics, even though I was never a Sonics fan. But it just sucks to see a team being moved out of a city with such a great fan base. Uh, 
ends up getting moved. And then a few years later, uh, a group led by none other than Steve Ballmer. Yes, Steve Ballmer, the current Clippers owner. Uh, so a, a group led by Steve Ballmer was about to buy the Sacramento Kings. And I guess uh, for whatever reason, David Stern really did not want the Kings to move out of Sacramento. He wanted to keep them there. And that he did. I mean, Sacramento fans love him because he, he was the reason that that team stayed in Sacramento. If it was for anybody else, that team would be in Seattle right now. Um, but yeah, he was the one that kept them in in Sacramento. He found a local group that was able to buy the team and keep it there. Uh, I mean, Sacramento fans love this guy because they kept because he was able to help them keep the Kings in Sacramento and to show uh, thanks for doing that. Uh, he has a street named after him outside of the stadium. Um, I'm pretty sure they're going to find something else to be named after him. Uh, but unfortunately it's an unfortunate passing, uh, rest in peace, David Stern. Uh, he did grow this game quite a bit and we are super thankful for what he did in the league. So if Nick were here, he'd just roll his eyes the moment I would start talking about the New Orleans Pelicans. But thankfully, thankfully, he's not here so I can talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. I don't really care if he likes it or not. I know he dislikes how much I root for this team. Or not root, but like I did pick them to make the playoffs. Anyways, so guys, the New Orleans Pelicans are 6-3 and three in their last nine games. Yesterday, they had a game against the Utah Jazz, which they lost in heartbreaking fashion. Uh, it was a bit controversial towards the end. The New Orleans Pelicans were trying to extend the game and send it to overtime. Brandon Ingram was driving down to the hoop, and Rudy Gobert was defending him. As Ingram goes up, if you look at the replay, it seems like he gets hit on the hand right before he, he takes the layup. Uh, the, it didn't get called. What ends up happening is they still had a timeout, so they were able to use that uh, challenge they had because they still had that timeout, right? So they ended up using the challenge. The challenge the, even though they challenged it, it wasn't overturned, and then they ended up losing uh, a very well good, a very well played game by the New Orleans Pelicans and especially uh, Lonzo Ball, uh, which I'll bring him up later on as we continue this talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. So, so going back to uh, their six and three record, they've beaten the Blazers, the Nuggets, the Pacers, and the Rockets. Uh, the victory against the Rockets might have an asterisk as. There was no Westbrook, and there was also no Harden, so uh, people might be saying, oh, that should be an easy victory. Well, they still had a decent team. Uh, they were also still able to com to compete against the, the New Orleans Pelicans, even though they were down two of their best players. Uh, the problem with this team has been so far, is it, it's been the defense. Um, they've had a lot of injuries, and that really doesn't help them out a lot. Something else it does go against him defensively is the fact that they've been playing J.J. Redick a lot. Uh, if you give him a lot of minutes, we all know he's not a great defender, so that also might 
make your defense take a hit, right? But there's also the fact that Favors has been out for a huge chunk of the season because of injury, and not only that, but also because the unfortunate passing of his mother uh, around the Thanksgiving uh, time down in the States, so we ended up missing even more time. Uh, Unfortunately, they were having a hard time, especially since no one was there to protect the key. Uh, The fill-in for him was Jackson Hayes. Now Jackson Hayes is a rookie. He shows promise, but he's still he he won't be at the level of Derek Favors for now, right? Because he just started. But ever since Favors has come back, he's been playing defense, and it, it's shown it, the defense for the New Orleans Pelicans has improved in that time. Uh, for for the last nine games they actually have had a top five defense in the league and he definitely has something to do with it especially with the fact that he has one of the best uh, defensive ratings on this team if you look at it it's basically him who has the best defensive rating as the three guys in front of him have only played like uh 15 minutes each during the whole season so you can't really uh say that they have a better defensive rating it's basically him that has the best defensive rating in this team ball has a lot to do with this turnaround too uh during these last uh nine games he's finally found a shot and it's been so good he's his uh, efficiency with his shooting has been so good during these last nine games. Uh, so during these nine games, he's shooting 45.9% from the field. And not only that guys, but he's shooting 40% from three guys four zero percent from the, from three guys. That is amazing. Holy. I don't remember him shooting that well. while he was with the Lakers. Uh, and he's not only shooting 40% while only taking three, three pointers a game. No, he's doing this while taking seven and a half shots from three, these last eight games or nine games. Sorry. It's impressive what he's been able to do. Uh, it's a turnaround that was needed. Uh, he needed to show up, and he's also been playing very good defensively. Uh, I think he has the third best defensive rating on this team. Uh, even though they've had, they have had a, a, a good run, right? It doesn't mean that their season is going to turn around and that they're going to make the playoffs. And oh yeah, Zion Williamson is is right around the corner, and you never know; they might actually make the playoffs with the eighth spot. Uh, being the Spurs and them having a losing record and it's still possible. Uh, I mean, it doesn't mean that it's a turnaround, but it's still a possibility for them to make the playoffs guys. And I looked at their schedule, at least for January. Uh, There's one thing I can't help but notice. And it's that seven of those games are super winnable. But then they also have six very tough games uh, against tough opponents. Uh, you have the Celtics twice, got the Nuggets, you got the Jazz twice, and then you also have uh, a game against the Clippers. Um, but that being said, if they do end up winning 
those seven winnable games. I mean, it's a good chance that they'll finish over 500 for the month of January. And you never know. The way the eighth spot is going, they could easily make a comeback and be competing for it. Uh, I mean, you see the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're just running away with the seventh spot. They keep increasing. Uh, they keep they keep improving their record game by game. Uh, I'm not gonna say that it's that the New Orleans Pelicans are gonna make the playoffs, but don't be surprised if for some weird reason they are actually able to pull this off. All right, everyone, this brings me to my last topic of the podcast, and that is what's going on with Kevin Love. So doesn't seem really happy right now with the Cavs. He had a verbal outburst that was directed at Kobe Altman. This according to an article by The Athletic by Sham Sharanya and Joe Vard. And, uh, the relationship between the player and management hasn't been very good lately. He was fined $1,000 by the team for his outburst on, the seven, on December 31st against the Raptors. Uh, I don't know if everyone's seen it, but if you look at the video, it's him slapping the chairs in the third quarter. And he even took himself out of the game so he could cool off. Apparently, when asked by one of the coaches what was wrong, he ends up saying, I didn't like how the first unit was being selfish. According to the article, it wasn't the first time it ha- it happened. Apparently, there was another instance last season at the end, oh, sorry, at the end of last season, where he raised his voice at, at Altman, and then Altman threatened to fine him. And you know what Love responded with? Oh man, this is this is uh, this is ballsy. He just he, he he just says to Altman, "Go ahead, I have plenty of money." Oh my goodness, he must really be mad at him for whatever reason. I know he's not happy with the direction that this team is going. I know that the team promised him that. After losing out on LeBron James uh, and him going to the Lakers, I I know that they promised him that this team would be uh, contending. And that was one of the biggest lies. Because, if anything, this team is in a rebuild. And that's a problem with love. There, There was also a video of him showing his frustrations against the Thunder. Um, so what basically ends up happening is, uh, I think, it, if I'm not mistaken, it was Sexton who has the ball in his hands. Uh, time is winding down. Uh, I think it's the end of the third quarter. And you can clearly see that Kevin Love is asking for the ball. Now, later on, uh, Ka- their their coach... Uh, Coach Beeline, he took the blame for not recognizing the fact that Kevin Love in that play had Chris Paul on him and he could easily uh, just post him him up and get the easy bucket towards the end of uh, the quarter, which is totally understanding. And then after you see that when Love receives the ball from... Uh, Saxon, he just ends up whipping it out to 
Shetty Osman, I think. I can't remember. But he ends up whipping the ball, and you can see that he's clearly frustrated. Um, it's all getting out of, out of hand. Everyone knows that he wants out of the Cavs. The thing is, guys, uh, I don't know if he recognizes this. I don't know if he understands this. But he is in a really tough situation. See, it's gotten to the point where the Cavs view him as an asset, regardless of his contract and his age, which are two very big factors. Um, like he, if his contract wasn't so big, um, if his contract wasn't so big and he was playing, and he was playing up to the contract then teams would be giving up players easily for him. Fact, the fact is, is that Kevin Love has been injured a lot. Uh, he's not playing that well. I mean, he's still averaging a double-double, but for the four-year $120 million contract he has received, you expect him to do a little bit more. Um, definitely numbers have gone down. Um but yeah, so the fact that the Cavs view Kevin Love as an asset and teams who are trying to trade for him are viewing it in the light that they're doing the Cavaliers a favor by taking him off and probably even giving them expiring contracts so that they don't have to worry about this. I mean, this contract is going into his uh, age 34 year or season. Not sure any teams that would be willing to give up a lot for him. Uh, maybe you can get some draft picks, but I don't know that you can get a lot for him. Uh, you know, Kevin Love, he's, he's done well before. I'm pretty sure if, in, if he's in a different situation, he, his uh, play might might be better but at this point i mean he's just got to ride it out i know that he's very frustrated he doesn't like where the team is going but you can't be showing that frustration and you especially can't allow your teammates your younger teammates to see that uh earlier earlier today he ended up i can't i don't know if it was a tweet or if he was being interviewed, but he ends up he ends up apologizing and he ends up saying that he can't uh, that he loves his teammates and that he's sorry and that he can't let the frustration show. And I totally agree with that. I mean, you're with a bunch of rookies. Like, what do you expect? They they they're learning the game right now, and they're not going to be up to uh, whatever other point guards you've been used to and that you've played with. Um. But uh, Kevin Love is in a tough situation. And to be honest with you guys, I just really don't see anyone that would uh, want to trade a lot for him. And uh, as frustrated as he is, maybe a move might not even get done this, this year. I just don't see anyone giving up what the Cavaliers want for him. Uh, hopefully he does get out of the situation because um, he... he He's a talented player. Uh, he can still show up, but he's not going to be able to do that on a Cavs team that is basically rebuilding. 
he needs to leave Cleveland for sure. All right, guys, so that's it for this episode, first episode of the year. Uh, Thanks a lot for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Waterboys Podcast. Waterboys with a Z. Thanks a lot for listening and hope you have a great week.